of you know us, we've come back and forth, but uh, I'll just introduce ourselves, Ramon and Rebecca Tesarevich, and our children, Elizabeth and Annabella and Nathaniel's right there. And we are so happy to be here uh, today. It's usually we're just coming back from Ukraine, but we've actually been, the Lord has had us stateside for the last over a year now. It's almost going to be a year and a half, which since I left Ukraine in 1997 from was sent out and commissioned by Addie New Life Christian Center in, in 1997. I have not been stateside for that long. So Ukraine has very much become my home with my Ukrainian husband. And yeah, that's where we work with Youth with a Mission in Ternopil, Ukraine for the last uh, 20 years. And this year, the Lord had brought us here for Ramon to study. He wants to start a school um, to do more with the, the Bible. He's studying in a school of biblical studies in Montana. And I, it was for nine months, and I just want to, um, I, I get my chance to share a little bit later, and sometimes I can take too much time, <laughs> so, but I just kind of want to, to say congratulations to my husband. This was a nine-month school where they went, yeah, they went through the Bible five times in that nine months. They had to read, we actually did a lot of, most of the Bible, you read every book out loud in one reading. So our kids would say it sounded like bees in the room because when you're reading the book of Isaiah and that takes about four and a half to five hours to read that in one sitting out loud, that is the requirement for the school, just a different kind of learning to really put the, the word in your heart. And then they literally, he literally uh, wrote the words of most of the Bible and had to make title headings for every book um, of the Bible. So it was a very intense school. He sat in the living room with his headphones on, and I would sometimes be waving <laughs> to him to get his attention, but he was amazing, and he was an amazing father and husband all while he was doing this, you know, I think it was made for uh, high schoolers or college students, <laughs> for family, it was, it's an intense school, so he, he did a great job, and I'm so excited what the Lord has done in his Life. He was already preaching and teaching in our in the church that we attend in Ternopil, Ukraine. But he just felt like he also wanted to use the school to have more understanding of the Word of God and be a better steward of the Word of God. And so, we, you know, we come back and we share updates. But he, he's, we also pray and ask the Lord what word God might have for the churches that we share with. And so we will share very little about um, the ministry and about Ukraine because Ramon is really itching to. To share what God has put on his heart for uh, the church here in the United States. And that usually is is the case. We believe that God, um, he always has something to say to us. And so we want to share that. So I, I get to share a little bit more later about our ministry and who, who we are and what we'll be doing when we go back. But I'll give it over to him. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, my name is Ramon, if you guys don't know it. Um, also, before I'm going to start sharing, I just want to recognize our good friends, uh, Ruslan and Sharon Burdins, with their kids in the back. They're also, we're ministering together in Ukraine. And uh, yeah, get to know them if you don't know them uh, well. They're great couples and good friends. You guys know you're in trouble when a preacher's notes flying all over. It's too many words. <laughs> Shouldn't be like that. Uh, anyway, so you guys like nature, like camp outs? Yeah, I like too. You know, every time after camp out, people come out, you know, maybe a little stronger, especially kids, you know, maybe a little grown up, you know, maybe a little wiser, 
or a little hurt if you a little more hurt if you play volleyball. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, I like nature as well. But you know, I'm a city boy. I grew up in the city, and you know, we live in the city, and so I probably like nature for different reasons than most of you. I like it because it's a challenge to me. You know, it's. Um, I like nature on a big screen, you know, National Geographic, you know, in Costco, sampling, you know, watching. That's how I like nature. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, just a little more about me. Uh, Rebecca, she, uh, my life, right? So she took us, we were in Montana for nine months. She took us uh, on a hike, and Montana is known to be a bear country. So she, she had to put me on the back of a group because I was ruining everybody's mood, you know. <laughs> I, I wasn't. I was just telling kids, you know, the re reality, the percentage of survival rate, you know, <laughs> if they meet a bear. <laughs> and, and, and I changed. I got better. By the end of the trip, I got better. I started walking faster, you know, going back home. <laughs> anyway, so another thing, though. Um, yeah, we did have a bear spray. I did not know how to use it. <laughs> anyway, so um, we live in this interesting time right now, right, guys? Coronavirus, you know, influenced everything we know as it is. Like, the world literally shut down. I personally believe, uh, I have my own conspiracy theory about it. I believe introverts had to do something with this. <laughs> I am an introvert. I'm 97% introvert on, you know, whatever internet chart, whatever. And so... Why I'm saying this is because I think, scientifically speaking, average introvert has just a little bigger bubble around themselves than normal people. I think it's about six feet. <laughs> so, you, for us, for introverts, I think life got a little better. Um, and today, so anyway, today, uh, sharing today, I just wanted to uh, really take time and look at this interesting time we live in, right? I want us to consider what God would want us personally and as churches as we go to do. You know, um, there is a proverb, uh, somebody told me, there is a Chinese proverb, not proverb, sorry, a curse, Chinese curse, that sounds something like this, may you live in interesting times, right? You know why I'm saying that, right? <clears throat> not a peaceful, simple life. So uh, Paul, you know, Apostle Paul in First uh, Timothy 2, 1, 2, he said, First of all, I urge you the supplication, prayer, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and for all uh, who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Right? So I believe it's a good life, right? But this, this curse sounds the opposite, right? May you live in interesting time. And it seems like right now this time is interesting. Here's my favorite. Uh, but the thing is, uh, it's not the life, whoa, that God gave me. In, <laughs> That's not mine. <laughs> Technical break. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, but in reality, that's not the life that God gave me. Uh, I grew up in Soviet Union. Anybody remember Soviet Union still? A little bit? Yeah? Kids probably know what I'm talking about. But uh, I grew up in Soviet Union. And so in, in 
1984, we were struck by a technological uh, disaster. Anybody heard of Chernobyl? Right? Then in 89, uh, my country that I grew up, the Ukrainian Soviet Republic, I don't remember even how it called, start falling apart, literally. And by 1991, the Soviet Union didn't even exist. It was an interesting time to live in. Few uh, months ago, you know, everybody was like, "Where will I get my next roll of toilet paper?" You know, <laughs> but uh, for us, 90s were weird times, hard times. Uh, we had to, you know, seek for food in stores. It wasn't like a famine, but to find like stores were empty and there was no food. We had to seek food to buy uh, in the stores because they were empty. So interesting times as well. And then in 2004, Ukraine, we experienced a revolution. Uh, it's, uh, you know, people were not satisfied with how the election went. And so we had the revolution. And then in 2014, we had another revolution. Uh, and then uh, after that revolution, it was unannounced war with Russia and uh, loss of territory, loss of many, many uh, human lives. And so, yeah, uh, and sometimes I feel like did really somebody, you know, curse me? <laughs> Some Chinese man <laughs> that I never met. Uh, 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 but the thing is, what I believe is the whole world is like this. In reality, the peace that this world gives is splitting. It's not permanent. And, you know, if we look back at the church history, we will see that for the church, it wasn't a new thing. It is not a new thing. Maybe the problems changed a little bit, right? The, you know, nobody had coronavirus you know, 2,000 years ago, but the, the persecution or the hardship or uh, sometimes, you know, some distant disasters could influence life in ways you couldn't imagine and you would live interesting times. <coughs> Just a second, I need to find my notes. And so uh, we have a friend uh, in Ukraine. He's a, uh, he was a believer during the Soviet Union, so he experienced persecution. He had, uh, his uh, parents were in prison for their faith. Uh, and so uh, he, uh, every time when I met him, I was a young believer at the time, he always prayed uh, for peace in Ukraine. So, uh, you know, uh, as a young person, I'm like, why are you praying for peace? Everything is good in Ukraine, you know. It bought 2000, the economy started growing, people started living better. So I was wondering, why are you praying for peace? And that happened, or I thought that way, until the war did come to Ukraine. You know, the church in Soviet Union, they had interesting times for 70 years. They couldn't preach, they couldn't get together unless it was, you know, authorized by the government. And everything you do, you know, would be monitored and, uh, you know, Bible studies would not be permitted and stuff like this. But... Uh, now, looking back, I can appreciate this, uh, the value of simple in good life. But many times, church is not called in the midst of uh, good times, right? We do have them sometimes. And it's not like I live this terrible life. My life, I believe my life is really good. 
and God blessed me, you know, abundantly with, you know, many, many things and peace or ability to travel. But it is not many times where God calls the church and where the church has to respond. And, you know, we do have a church history, 2,000 years. I hope you guys grab, you know, brought snacks because, you know, I'll try in a couple hours to cover all of it. <laughs> no, I'm not. But we do, we can look back and look at how the church, how the church responds during the interesting times that they lived in, right? We don't have to go actually too far at first. All we need to do is just look maybe 60, 70 years ago. Um, do you guys know who's uh, Robert Von Brandt is, right? If you heard of him, he's a, he was a pastor in Romania. And so in 1944, uh, Soviets, they came liberating Romania from Nazi Germany, but in reality, it was a takeover. And eventually Romania became a part of the Soviet bloc. Right? So they had uh, interesting times. They, uh, uh, Robert uh, himself, he longed to preach to people who came and took over his country. And so how did George respond during that time? I'll just read a few quotes from what he said. Blame it on the wind. So one of the quotes that he said, how the church responded in the crisis situation, in a situation that was much more harder than maybe right now. You know, did the church just closed off and, you know, went into hiding? Well, partially, yes. But it did not stop being a vibrant and living church. Here is a quote uh, from Tortured for Christ. I will on... Okay, so where, where is it? Uh-huh. Just as Christians in Russia created an underground church... After their revolution, the coming of power of communism and the betrayal of many official church leaders compelled us to likewise create in Romania an underground church, one faithful to evangelize, preach the gospel, and to reach children for Christ. Did the church stop growing? No. They actually, in reality, they would preach to people who could put them in prison like that, on a spot. If you would preach the gospel, you would be put in prison. But they did not stop preaching. They did not you know, withdraw from the world. And what, what is interesting, the growth of the church is that many of Russian or Soviet people who became Christians, they turned to be exactly like those who brought them to Christ. They would testify to those who could put them in prison, who will persecute them eventually, but they would not stop. Another person that we can think about is really famous is, Oh, actually, I'm going to read one more quote. That is, I think, is an amazing quote from uh, Robert Von Brun. Um, he, stuck, he says, because they couldn't have a Bible, so hear how the church responded to the lack of the Bible. They, he's talking about the communist regime, published a book called The Comical Bible and the Bible for Believers and Unbelievers. They tried to show how stupid scripture is and to do so quoted many Bible verses. How we rejoiced over it. The book was printed in millions of copies and was full of Bible verses, which were unspeakably beautiful, even when communists ridiculed them. The criticism itself was so stupid that no one took it seriously. But Bible verses remain true, even if the devil quotes them. And so, how did the church respond? Many in church stayed a growing, live church of Christ under persecution. Another person that we can talk about or think about is Corey Tim Boom. If you guys have not seen, 
hiding place, right? I, I really, I think you should take time and watch this amazing movie. And so watching that movie, I could not, it's hard. It's hard to see her and her sister suffering in concentration camp. They were sent there because they were trying to help Jews to escape uh, or to survive during the Nazi Germany regime. Uh, and so, and it is hard movie, but at the same time, I could not stop thinking that how many people in that prison were able to hear the gospel of Christ because they were there. Would they have another chance? I do not know. It was interesting times for the church during those days. And I'm not sure if those people, if Corrie Tim Boom would not, were not sent and her sister were not sent to prison, to concentration camp, were those ladies that they stayed with, would they hear, would they have a chance to hear the gospel of Christ? And for Corey, it was a struggle. You can see it during the movie. But eventually, she came to realize that, that was God's purpose for her for that time, however hard it was. And I just quote a few things as well. Um, she says, today I know that such memories are the keys to the past. Oh, sorry. Rewind. Today I know that such memories are the keys, a key not to the past, but to the future. I know that the experiences of our lives when we let God use them, become the mysteries and perfect preparation for the work he will give us to do. This is what the past is for. Every experience God gives us, every person he puts in our lives is perfect preparation for the future that only he can see. There is no panic in heaven. God has no problems, only plans. And so I want to ask what plans God has for COVID. For the church during this time, interesting times, it's divisive. People, you know, wearing masks, not wearing masks. Church is reacting differently, you know, and we focus on this. But what is God's purpose for the church for this time? What is the purpose for you for this time? I can give you half of it, 50%. The rest you'll have to find for yourself. I know for sure God has called each one of us to share the gospel. You don't need to ask God. If that is his will, right? Um, yes, we can do it different ways and look for the opportunities. And that's where I think your prayer and your response need to come in. You need to pray. You need to pray and look where and why God has put you in this place. So um, I did the nine months of biblical studies. And I loved the, I loved the Bible. I love studying deeply. And it's really, really... Um, was beneficial for me to read the whole Bible again and again and again. And it's uh, because you understand, you, know, you start seeing how God worked through whole history, not even history of the church 2,000 years, but even before that, how he worked in Israel and in Judah. You guys know famous, uh, one of the really uh, well-known verses of the Bible is Jeremiah 33.3. Anybody knows it? I couldn't hear, but. <laughs> and so uh, I will kind of lead you through a little Bible study. So uh, uh, in, in, uh, in my school, so what we were teaching or studying, it's called inductive Bible study. Uh, and usually there's three steps to it. And we're just going to go through that scripture, uh, applying those three steps. So first step is, is, uh, step is observation. Second step. 
interpretation, and then third step is application. And so at first, when we read, we need to observe what does author say, right? So Jeremiah 33.3 says, yeah, call to me and I will answer you and tell you the great and unsearchable things you do not know. I remember when I heard that verse, I think in the church somewhere, I remember exactly, but it struck me how personal God was in that, in there, like in this situation, God's speaking. I feel like he's speaking to me. Yes, Roman, I have plans for you. You know, ask me, you know, pray. And so, uh, but going in, a, um, in, uh, in the, going through the school, it was interesting for me to learn how to jump from observation to interpretation. And usually what in this method, there's many different methods of study Bible. We did this one. And so uh, the jump between interpretation and observation and interpretation is historical background. So we need to understand what has, what was happening during life of Jeremiah at that time, right? So he's, he hears God, beautiful word. But what was happening around that time in the life of Jeremiah, right? I'll give you a hint. It was interesting times. Jeremiah lived during interesting times. He his ministry was about 40 years old, and it started during the time, during the reign of a good king of Judah. He was trying to follow God, but then the rest of the kings were pretty terrible. They rejected God again and again and again. And so his ministry was not easy or popular, right? So a little bit of his historical background. Um, uh, so the book of Jeremiah was written during the end and the uh, at the end and the fall of the kingdom of Judah. The prophet will see with his own eyes God's judgment on the nation of Judah in 586 AD. Um, though his prophetic ministry started during the time of a faithful king, I already said that the book covers around 40 years of Jeremiah's ministry. And uh, this brings us to the powers of that time. So there was few powers of that time uh, around Judah. It was Egypt and they were losing power and Babylonian empire was growing and rising to power. And it, uh, so, before we move on, though, let's read a little more about this verse. So, uh, let's read Jeremiah 33, 1, 3. You guys have your Bibles? I don't have mine, sorry. <laughs> I have just quotes. Uh, anyway, so it says, While Jeremiah was still confined in the country, uh, courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. So, this is a second word. They came to Jeremiah. And this is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. Call, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you the great and unsearchable things you do not know. So it's the second word. Where is the first word? The first word is in Jeremiah 32.1. And that's what it says. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. The army of the king of Babylon was then besieged besieging Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was confined in the, court, in the courtyard of the guard in the royal palace of Judah. So uh, so it's, uh, it says it's the tenth year of the king Zedekiah. So king Zedekiah was not a good king. He was not following God. He was worshiping idols, even though, you know, breaking God's commandment. And it says ten years. So historically, uh, it was one year before Jerusalem will fall, before the whole nation of Israel will be exiled in Babylon. So there is a war, right? So, uh, 
Babylonians besieging Jerusalem and Jeremiah is confined in the courtyard of the guard. They did not have prisons at that time, per se. So uh, to give a picture of what's happening with Jeremiah at that time, he is in prison in a city that is in the third or fourth year of war with a bigger power that is besieged. The famine's probably starting, lack of water. So he's in prison in a besieged city that is going to fall in one year. Interesting times. Really interesting times. And that's when God speaks to Jeremiah. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Was it a problem for God that Jerusalem was about to fall? Or that it was famine and Jeremiah couldn't even speak his word because he's confined, he's in prison? No, it was not. It is exactly in that time that God speaks to Jeremiah and says, Call to me. It wasn't in the good time that I had in the church, even though I believe God did touch my heart with this verse when I first heard it. But that verse has much more depth if we understand when it was said. It's said to the prophet who spent his life, almost 40 years, trying to convince kings of Judah to return to God. And he was not successful. They rejected God again and again. But God has a plan for that time. God had a plan. Do you guys know uh, Jeremiah uh, 29? What is the one of the really beautiful verses? 29:11. For I, know, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Right? It's a beautiful verse. Who's it spoken to? It's spoken to refugees who were forced out of their homes into Babylon. People who did not have hope. They had to resettle, had to learn new ways of life. They had to adjust. But what does God speak to those people? I have plans for you. I have plans for your time in Babylon. It's not pointless, right? God has a purpose. So, is, you know, I, I talked to somebody and he said, did God wake up one morning and said, oh no, COVID. What shall I do? That's absurd. We would not think about that way. No. I believe God has a plan. Plan for each one of you in this time. In time of COVID. And I gave you 50% of what it is already. <laughs> you need to find the other 50 for yourself. You need to call to God. Because we live in interesting times. Right? We don't live in the times... Uh, as Paul prayed, you know, peaceful, good times. And the thing is, Paul never lived in those times either. He tells us, the church, this is a good life. Pray for this. But he was persecuted every step of the way. He was persecuted by brothers. He was persecuted by Jews. And eventually by Roman authorities. He had interest in life, right? If we can say that. So that's one point. So... First point, we're halfway through my preaching. Thank you, guys. <laughs> uh, first point, 
the crisis we're in or church in is not new. Uh, yeah, it could look new, but church was faced with challenges all throughout its history. And how we respond, that's our part. That's what we need to pray and seek about. But it is not new. It's not nothing that we can be, you know, like, oh, I do not know what to do. The second point of my preaching is the harvest is ready. Um, so that was the motto of my school. So the motto of my school of biblical study was the harvest is ready. We have to go. And I need to find my piece of paper. Yeah, so harvest is ready. We have to go. But you know what? It's interesting. When I was preparing for this preaching, you know, or I found this uh, kind of impression in my heart to share with you guys, at that time, we couldn't go. We had our passports. We renewed our passports without, with plenty of time, but then COVID struck, and we couldn't go. We wanted to go to Ukraine, but we couldn't go. And Rebecca will share a little bit about it more, but at the time of writing this preaching, I was thinking, God, you called us to go, but we can't. And you know what I did? Start praying. Yeah, asking God, why? What is the purpose? Why can't we go? You know, and I felt like, oh, it is the time for us to spend time with you guys. It's time to go to churches and share. We have a few churches that, you know, we're in relationship. And so that is like a gift from God for us to be able to spend time with us. Now we can go, and Rebecca will share about it. But at that time, it was a challenge for me. I had to think. I had to do the same thing I'm asking you to do. I had to ask God, why we can't go to Ukraine? Why are you holding us here? And, you know, you're probably feeling restrictions and might be feeling confined a little bit, you know, your ability to share the gospel with people and stuff like this. But uh, I want to tell you a little bit about Rebecca, because she has to go a lot at this point. But uh, so Rebecca, she is not, she does not like technology. She doesn't. She, uh, I, I would say if she was able to travel in time and talk to inventors, you know, of the iPhones or whatever, she would convince them not to invent them. <laughs> I think the rotary phone was the best that she would start. Right? So she doesn't like she doesn't like technology. I, I do, but she doesn't. Anyway, so uh, so one time uh, we were sitting with our friends uh, and talking, and her and uh, uh, our friend friend they were talking about maybe God is doing something new. Maybe God is speaking something new. Uh, and so, uh, and so I'm like, I'm listening, okay. And so they start talking. Maybe God wants us to use technology. No, when I hear this coming out of the mouth of my wife, I know it's God. There's no question because she would never say that otherwise. And she said, maybe God wants us, you know, because there is a whole population of people, you know, online who would not come to church. They spend hours and days online all the time. And maybe, maybe God wants us to learn to use this technology and try to reach those people who would not come otherwise to church. This is just an example. 
No, it's not what I'm telling you to do, right? Like I said, I want you to find it out for you, for your church. But the point is, God has a purpose for that, you know, that the harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. There are people in your lives around you who need to hear the gospel. Um, on the way here, uh, I was going up to the house, and I was thinking how God has been faithful in our lives to answer so many prayers Rebecca and I had. Um, and I thought, this is like a little bit of heaven, right? That's when our needs, our fears, our even failures or weaknesses are God answers to them, right? God answers to them. And, and so when we receive an answer from God, it's kind of like a picture of heaven, right? That's redemption to who we are in our state as we are right now. And so I was thinking about it, and I'm like, I'm so thankful, God, that you're so good, that you showed us and show us many times this process of redemption that we'll experience fully when we're in heaven. But you know what? Many people do not know that. Many people do not know that hope of redemption. They might never experience and know how God can here or in the future redeem their lives. They live in fear right now. There's COVID. There's, there's the chance they're going to die tomorrow. There's so much fear, and they need you to tell them about God. The harvest is ready. We have to go. So, uh, so yeah. I, you know, to finish up, I would just say I would want to encourage you to take this time to pray. We, at the end, after Rebecca will share a little bit, and she'll share a little bit about Ukraine, what's happening there, and our plans and other things. Uh, but then after that, we will attempt to play guitar and sing <laughs> uh, a song. And but during that time, and I will say it again at that time, I would want you to take time to pray. You are an interesting time. And God says and to people in living in interesting times, call to me and I will answer. You are ripe for that prayer. So during that time, as I will play guitar, I will sing a song, and I will again do it again. I'll ask you that again later on. Um, I would want you to ask God, why cover what is my place in this? Uh, yeah, so um, just going along with what Ramon was sharing, it was interesting because when he last, we kind of talked before we shared at a service two weeks ago, but not completely about everything we were going to share. And the Lord had also spoken to me. I had written the same scripture, Jeremiah 33, in my notes and what I was willing to share. And so I will go back to that. And just really as, you know, sharing about, uh, there are some things I will share about Ukraine, about us, but just, you know, continuing to keep that in mind as, we, as I share testimony of what the Lord has been doing and what we're going to be doing that um, just allow the Lord to uh, speak to your heart, whatever, how he's speaking personally, um, what's going on in your life. So I wanted to start out, uh, I'm not going to read it in context, but uh, I love the verse from Revelations 12, 11. 
And it says, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. And I think that when we give a testimony, it's so powerful of what the Lord does. And even as I read through my notes, what has happened in the last two weeks is just so powerful. We ask for prayer and how the Lord has answered. Ramon mentioned a little bit about our passports. But I want to go back to when we first felt to come to the United States for this amount of time. And like I said before, that was a really difficult decision for me. Ramon had been talking to me for about 10 years that he was feeling like God was speaking to him to study. So husbands, if you have something on your heart and your wife is resisting, it can take time. I immediately, <laughs> it didn't come quick. And so, yeah, 10 years later, I was crying, knowing that we were going to be away from ministry and our friends in Ukraine. Glad to be here with my family. Lives I'm originally from, so we live, they all live in Spokane, Coeur d'Alene area. So that was, I was glad to be close. Montana's close. But um, it was it was a difficult time. And not only was it difficult because we were leaving Ukraine, but because there was a lot of challenges. And we uh, live on, you know, in Ukraine, our support is one. We knew living in the United States, it would about triple. And um, we had an obstacle of about $23,000 that we needed for the year to come. And we needed a car, we needed, you know, just so many things. And the first thing, before we even got here, uh, someone had written us and said they wanted to buy a car for us to use while we were here. So that was, we knew God was, you know, beginning to show us, yes, I want you to do this and answering these things. So long story short, by, I mean, throughout the time Ramon, um, different people gave uh, large donations. This church was praying for us, people from here, um, other people here and Ramon ended up getting a scholarship for the school and so by the end of the school year we we knew we were going to have this amazing testimony of how um God was going to provide and he did and so I just wanted to share that but also something that happened is last time when we were sharing at Addie at the we were at the church I could barely get up on the stage because I couldn't walk I had been counseling at a camp and uh, tore my ACL and my meniscus had already been torn. And I know you guys have heard this testimony, but I just wanted to share it because, you know, God works in different ways. And I, um, I needed to have an ACL replacement and I, they had decided there's different ways you can do the replacement. You can do it with using a piece of your own body part, or you can use a cadaver. So, and apart from someone else. And I always say, if I can be a missionary, anyone can, because I'm very, I've been a germaphobic. <laughs> you know, I was long before COVID, I, I had my germ problems. <laughs> so I was already washing my hands consistently. And, you know, I, I've lacked a lot being in missions, but um, I did not want to have another body part inside of me of someone else. That just freaked me out. <laughs> I was just really squeamish about that. I'm thankful for modern day technology. I am, my husband said, you know, I am grateful. And I know people... Uh, God can do miracles that way, but I just was, it was really hard for me. I talked to the doctor and I said, do you have to put, like, do you have to do it that way? And he said, this is the best way for you because you want, for healing, we need to put the cadaver. And so I just really was not excited about that. I, it, and so I just, I wasn't, they didn't want to have the surgery anyway. And I was asking for the Lord for healing, but to have that in my body, I didn't really want someone, you know, just knowing that it, it was there. And and so the day of the surgery, I was having a lot of people pray for me, but the day of the surgery, I had asked to see the chaplain and he came in and I have been, I have received a physical healing in my body before. And I said, and I testified about 
did an anesthesiologist, you know, they put in the nerve block and had the cadaver ready uh, in the operating room. And I just testified that the Lord had healed me before. And so when the chaplain came in, he said, what do you want me to pray for? And I said, I want to be healed on the operating table. And so he looked at me like, okay, <laughs> but he, he prayed that he said. And, and so when I went in for the operation, uh, when I woke up, I don't, I, I've been in a couple car accidents and so I don't always um, respond well to the, um, I have, I could feel the pain when I woke up. And so I started freaking out right away and they had to put the mask back on me and give me a local shot of morphine in my leg. But they called the doctor back in and he started patting my hand and he said, you've got your answer to prayer. I did not have to replace your ACL. And so it was totally easy. I took several pictures and he had met with my mom and Ramon. They were ready to leave the hospital because it was supposed to be a 90 minute uh, surgery, but it was only 25 minutes because I didn't need the replacement. And he also said my meniscus was uh, that he just had to do a lot of cleanup, but that it was uh, healed. So I just want to give praise to the Lord for that. And, you know, we don't always, <laughs> I would have loved for it to have been healed and for it, you know, to be per in perfect state and so that I could walk and have no problems, but that is not how the Lord chose to do it. I don't have an ACL, but I still am struggling with, um, I went through three months of physical therapy. I still need to do exercise to get my... Uh, that I'm not always consistent in <laughs> to get my knee strong. And I, I need prayer because we live on the sixth floor with no elevator and stairs are very difficult for me in Ukraine. Um, so I give praise to the Lord, but I'm also, you know, he knows. He has his plan why he did it that way. <laughs> and so I um, could use continued prayer in that. But I just wanted to give praise for that testimony. And then, as Ramon said two weeks ago, we shared in the church that we, are at this place of wanting to go back to Ukraine and that we can't. And um, before I share that, this time that we have been here has been an uh, interesting time because in January, before we left, we knew that our organization would be going through a leadership change and Ramon serves on our leadership team at our base. And so we had planned to be here and we talked with the leadership team and we plan to, when we are going, that we would be back and we would be going through that transition together with the base. Well, in January, we got news that there was some upheaval happening. And in, you know, the enemy does not like us to be focused and is, you know, when we are wanting to share the gospel and he will bring all kinds of things in. And I think he often, you know, tries to bring division and those types of things. So, um, yeah, we went through some really difficult times in Ukraine, and Ramon was trying to study in this very intense school. We were listening to Zoom meetings and trying to be uh, in different meetings at a different time zone. And so we went through it since January. It's been a difficult uh, transition, transitioning with our local uh, YWAM base. And unfortunately, this is the second difficult <laughs> uh, leadership transition that we have gone through at our particular base. And so it just... Um, as we were praying about our time and returning to Ukraine and this whole thing, it has, um, I won't, I won't go into details, but it just was, it has been a very difficult season. Um, one of the things that, um, that we were asked to do a couple years ago was staff care. And it's, you know, how can you do staff care when you're thousands of miles away and Ramon is at this intense school and you have such a heart for the people that are there struggling with this transition thing that's going on. And so, um, yeah, we could really use prayer as we go back because, um, 
I had talked to Ruslan and Sharon uh, this morning, but one of the things we really wanted to get back was for the actual transition to take place. And our base leaders, they live in our apartment right now and we feel very close to them, but they're leaving August 28th and we were almost not going to be able to get to say goodbye to them. And so they will be leaving, not in the circumstances that we had hoped. And, um, and Ruslan and Sharon were asked with another young man on our base to step into the leadership role and so I just kind of wanted, I said, is that okay? Because they have, they just accepted that on Wednesday and they have not, you know, announced that. But we could just really use your prayers as we go back for that, just that whole transitioning time. Because I think all of us know, whether it's in good circumstances or difficult circumstances, any change is is a time of adjustment. And so we just would, yeah, really covet your, your prayers for that. Um, and so, but what had happened... Um, and so I'll just, I have my notes here and I'm not looking at them. But he was, well, his were flying away and I'm not looking at mine. <laughs> uh, but so I'm just all over. <laughs> but um, when we go back, our, we are going back into this situation that is, is a vulnerable and sensitive place, but with a heart to serve that, our new leadership to, to come beside them and, and be a part any way we can. Ramon really wants to use uh, his schooling, he hopes to get a school, of, it's not the exact school of biblical studies, but a shorter school, and he wants to start that. He's also been asked to help uh, teach the Bible with a six-month program, a church planting program that is going to happen. Our ministry is also, uh, we really have a heart, and I, I shared this last year, but for those of you who don't know, we work with international students. In Ukraine, in Chernobyl, we have uh, nations from, we have met people that are on from different countries that are on the top 20 persecuted church. So they come to study in Ukraine as students because it's a lot cheaper. And we still have a relationship with some of those students that have even left that are from different countries where it's very difficult to preach the gospel. So it's our heart to go back and, and to serve those students. And so those are some of the things we'll be going doing when we're um, going back. But mostly during this time, we just ask that you be praying for our whole uh, transition process and for us and um as we were praying and i I shared this earlier with someone uh and we didn't know if we were going to be able to go being here this amount of time uh, and being in the place right now and seeing the state that the united states of america is is has really um yeah we've just been praying and we were asking the lord we sat on this rock and when we knew our passports weren't coming uh we said why aren't they coming god is this you or is this um the enemy, you know, how do we need to pray? And we were asking, Lord, will you please intercede for us? And Jesus, you are our intercessor. Pray for us in this and show us the way. And we stood before the church two weeks ago saying, like Ramon said, we can't go. We also said that we have no ability to go financially, even to buy plane tickets. And as we had, as we were praying that prayer, the next day, someone wrote us and said, we, we just feel like we want to give you, we want to pay for all of your plane tickets, which was a, for, over $4,000. And then we said, okay, we have our tickets now. I mean, money for our tickets, but we can't buy our tickets because we don't have the passports. And we have prayed before, and we have bought plane tickets to go to Ukraine without having our documents. But this time, we just did not have a piece about that. And, and we were asking the Lord, you know, are you closing the door? Are you going to keep us here for longer for some reason? Because we just see such an opportunity right now to, to minister and to share. And um, 
there are a lot of different, because of the things that are going on here, there are a lot of different conversations that come up that you can testify and you can share. And it just, um, so we were asking the Lord about that. And, uh, and we went, when we met Ruslan and Sharon, they had shared with us that we could contact our representatives about our passports. And so we did that. And I believe people were also <laughs> in prayer. And so we got an answer the day after uh, we received the finances for our tickets that we also, our passports were on their way. And so we've received one passport and now all the rest of the passports are coming. So we are able to go back to Ukraine. And so that is just a miracle. And that we want to give and testify to the Lord that um, we were stuck and we felt <laughs> in this place of not knowing, but the Lord provided. And so now we are ready to go back. We don't know what this season means for us. We will be asking the Lord, reassessing with our whole new leadership and what is going on in our base but um looking forward to what the lord has as you know he has called us to minister in ukraine and ramon also asked me to share you know i was picking raspberries with um ramon i mean ramon with my son nathaniel and as i was picking the raspberries at my in my brother's garden i i was uh his garden is a bit overrun he hasn't <laughs> And, you know, he's like, yeah, you can go pick the raspberries. He, he's in a season of just not taking care of his garden. And it, they're everywhere. And so the, the raspberries are the old bushes. You know, they have thistle, the thistles, and they're just all over the place. And I would see, I'm like, I can't believe all these raspberries are going to waste. And I would be reaching through. You know, I could see if I barely touched the um, bush the wrong way, the raspberry would be falling off. And I was like, I was going through all this. I had scratches all over my arms just to try and get this one raspberry from falling. I'm like, and I'd try and get the bowl under it because there was so many, you know, yucky weeds in the way and I couldn't get through, but I just felt like if one raspberry, I'm going to miss this harvest, you know? And as I was thinking that, it just hit me that the harvest is ready. And if I don't get it, if I don't get that raspberry, I'm going to accidentally step on it or squish it or something else is going to get it. But it's the harvest, whether I pick it or not, it's going to drop. It's ready to be harvested. And I just thought, when we hear, and it just hit me a new way. When, I hear, when I've heard so many times as a missionary, and I've shared it so many times, the harvest is ready. But I just didn't, like the weight that it's going to be harvested by something, somewhere, whether I harvest it or not. And I just, that just hit me in such a new way. Like, especially as I accidentally would, you know, I would see squished raspberries and that I walked on because I couldn't see or because they weren't harvested in time. And I just thought about what's happening there. The Bible says, you know, the harvest is ready and, and it's getting. And so what is happening to people that are ready, that are hungry, that are thirsty, that are searching, that are in fear, that are in pain? They're there. Something's getting them. They're being picked up by something. Are we the ones picking are we the ones who are available or even with our eyes open, you know, taking all those pains to even maybe be wounded a little bit, but to get it because we want the harvest so bad. And so I guess as we, as we sing this song, I just want us to be thinking about that and ask the Lord. And maybe you're in a place too, where like, you don't even feel in that place because you yourself <laughs> need to be ministered to or, or, you know, but I, I just would ask that, yeah, as we, as we sing it, that the Lord would um, just allow the Lord to speak to your heart where you're at.
Yeah. Um, yeah, the harvest is ready and we have to go. We're going. I know Sharon and Ruslan, they're going to be going. Where are you going? Where are you going to be picking up your harvest? You know, need to ask God. But also I want to say, if you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, figure it out. Because it is interesting times. It is interesting times. So uh, in the last church, we made a mistake. We assumed that they had a guitar for worship. So we didn't ask. Uh, you know, we, we said, oh, we, we came and we're like, oh, you guys don't have guitar? Well, so we sang this song a cappella. sounded pretty good, actually. <laughs> but this time, we didn't ask if you guys have overhead. So I'll just read the words and we're going to sing. And as we're going to be singing, we want you to yeah, think and pray. Why COVID? <clears throat> what God has you to do during this time? So the words like this, for the Lamb has conquered and I will follow him to the ends of the earth I will follow him Jesus you're worthy of every tribe and tongue all for your glory till every soul is one the harvest is ready we have to go we won't stop till the whole world knows the power in your blood to save every soul we're not ashamed of the gospel so you guys can stand up and we'll try singing and Join us as you hear the words. speak to everybody here lord what uh, what is this time for them it is not pointless it has a purpose it has a plan you have a plan for this time lord and so yeah just speak clearly um in jesus name pray. amen
thank you so much for today. Thank you for this uh, church, Lord. Thank you for this body, Lord. And that you call them for this time, for times such as this. They're called by you. You have plans for them, Lord. You have things to do. Lord, these interesting times only confirms that you are working, Lord. That you're not asleep or you stopped working. You were shocked by COVID, Lord. No, you're working and working in every life here. And so I pray, speak to them. Encourage them in their walks uh, with you, Lord. Let them grow closer to you and also let them be a testimony to people around because yeah harvest is ready those ripe fruits are falling down and if we're not going to catch them something else will man in jesus name i pray amen and i just wanted i just wanted to say one more thing too is that um, we cannot say enough what it means for the fellowship of the body of christ for all of us being together but for us, you know, we have um, on our table uh, something that we saw another family do, and we've taken this as a practice in our own family, and we have a basket of names, and we've picked them out at mealtimes. And so Adding New Life Christian Center is one of the names that is in our basket. And it's just interesting. Sometimes we'll pick it out, and we'll mix it up, and we'll pick out the same name several times. We'll write the person and say, was there something going on? We just keep picking your name out. And how many times that actually has happened where we're praying for that person and so we we recognize all of us are in this together this whole harvest thing that we we need each other to be praying for one another to ask the lord how are we engaging in this as a body together and so we just want to continue to encourage that and say thank you like we we know that what is going on in ukraine what we're doing there what you guys how the lord is leading here we can't do it without each other we have to be this body that is supporting one another. And so we do, we really just want to say thank you for supporting us, for praying for us, to be being part of that, and just continue as a body as the Lord asks you how to minister into this community that he's giving you to be that support for one another. <laughs>